Hello and welcome to the Dive Season Six, Thanks. Episode Nineteen. Welcome back from break. Woo! It was actually so nice to have a break. Um, not yep, gonna lie. I've decided. We're going to have uh, every other week off. Every other week. <laughs> Sound good? Yeah. You guys are yeah. a bunch of slackers. I hated it. Yeah. Where was the LCS? I had no fun. Uh, it, it was the first <laughs> time since I, I probably, probably you've never had it either, right? I assume. But like first time since I started casting in 2016 where there was actually a week off during season. I've taken weekends off before, but of course you have to watch the games and you know we have meetings and we have shows. Um, so it was, it was super chill to just like not have to think about anything for a week. I went to Yosemite. I went hiking. I barbecued. I ate way too much food. No, I they, slept a lot and played some video yeah. games. The norm is they never give us any holidays off or any vacation, uh, you know, breaks or whatever mm -hmm. in the season. It's the season is the season. Um, so that's why when I heard, you. yeah, that's when I heard because uh, normally it's like, oh, okay, all of Riot is doing, you know, some vacation or all of Riot is going on some trip or whatever. And you're like, oh, that's great. You know, I'll be there on the weekend, <laughs> you know, at, at work. But I was shocked to hear that the LCS was actually taking this week off too. Uh, I did multiple road trips down to San Diego, Dash's uh, parents, and then to Las Vegas, baby. Congrats. Woo! I did nothing. Mark was making fun of. Uh, I was making fun of the amount Travis of money that for being you guys excited won. for winning like a hundred dollars. I'm not even like okay. So I was joking about like the the grand and like you have to have like at least a grand on the table. But I I it was just funny hearing Travis when he was talking about be like I won big, not like I ended up a little bit, you know. Yeah. Like they, I think he said like around 150, 250, you but know, yeah, which is, like, which is nice. It was a shitload of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, it's like what? <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Like good for you, but it just like stunt. No, with like your <laughs> it felt big to us okay it was fun we played for like three hours and i didn't make it rain money. with a single hundred dollar bill and to be fair <laughs> that's a dub like you go to yeah. the tables you, you nurse your free drinks yeah. you know you i had never played uh blackjack but i wouldn't before. say i was up big yeah. you know when i'm up 100 bucks <laughs> yeah, especially yeah, in yeah. vegas that's not going that far <laughs> you, that's you, one buffet you go to the club and you're like hey i guess you just won big tonight <laughs> everyone's like how much i thought i can it, afford three drinks i thought he had one more i thought he had actually one more but <laughs> maybe, maybe it was 350 enough. but either way anything but like i don't know yeah yeah not I was trying to with, having fun no we're just making fun of travis yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> only travis if you at home have won 350 brag about if, it if i want to if i won 20 bucks i'd be happy to win 20 yeah, bucks you get a scratcher you're like hey but i just wouldn't say i was up big in vegas <laughs> i just made so much money off the scratcher <laughs> are you guys done no yeah, we are. <laughs> okay, no, okay, okay. Well, I didn't another... do anything, so I have to make fun of the people who did. I, yeah. I literally sat at home, you know. <laughs> did you play some games at least? No. Get you just, an impact. You just sat. Okay, so you did play some games. Yeah, but no more than I normally do. It's like <laughs> 45 minutes a day. <laughs> you changed it 45 minutes? What did you do with all your time then? What was it on something? You just sat there and contemplated I life? I, I, go, go eat with Ashley, watch some shows. Exactly, yeah, the, the usual. Yeah. Any good shows? Uh, I don't care this much about Mark's vacation, actually. <laughs> Keep asking Mark. Okay. Yeah, whatever. I watched some TV. <laughs> you know, I worked on some side projects. The usual. Um, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> uh, oh, shit. We got a giant exploded message from our producer. Talk about players, you idiots. Uh, there was a new episode of Players that came well, out. Well, he was saying Mark should have said he watched it. Uh, did you actually watch, watch it? Yeah, I watch every episode when they come out. Yeah, I've, I've watched it all too. I'm actually really enjoying it. I think it's really funny. Uh, it's it's been it's been really fun to watch. To be honest, I'm I feel like 
not that many people are watching it, but the people I know who are watching it are really enjoying it. Mm. I think uh, it's a slow starter too. For me, like the beginning episodes, it took a while, but I think the uh, the Nightfall episode was my favorite episode overall. Mm-hmm. I've liked them all. I think uh, Paramount Plus can be a little difficult to get people on it, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's, not, it's also not available in all countries. Like my, my brother want to watch it, my, some of my friends want to watch it, and they're like, oh, it's not available in Canada. So, And I, I think a lot of people don't know what's on Paramount Plus. I'm watching Evil on there because I watched season one when it was on Netflix, I think it was, and mm-hmm. now it's on Paramount Plus. Evil's pretty good. Uh, Survivor's on there if you want to spam some some Survivor on Paramount Plus. <laughs> yeah. trying, trying to sell Paramount Plus now for people. <laughs> because you're not just selling players. You're selling a subscription <laughs> yeah, to yeah. a service. I'm like, hey, there's other things you can... There's you a free trial, do. though. You should legitimately... players... If, if, you're watching this, if you're watching the dive, you probably will like players. You should check it out. Yeah. It's actually really funny. Yep. Um, All right, we're done. Also, uh, <laughs> there was things that went on on uh, the, the off weekend. Maybe you true. were in Vegas. Uh, there there was things. the... the the Mr. Beast Ninja uh, show match or whatever yeah. you want to call it yeah. that went on. <laughs> um, that's actually one of the reasons that we went to Vegas um, is because we were going to yeah pop in for the, the big show match. Uh, and it was in the arena that we had done previously done All-Stars in. Oh, okay. Um, it was like, I think it was just as cool to watch on stream as to be there in person. So what I'm trying to say is you didn't miss much by not actually going to. But if you're in there in person, you could have got made fun of by that uh, that lady who was hosting, <laughs> who was making fun of the fans for being from L.A. That was weird. Yeah, I didn't actually even watch the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> we watched them on she our phone. She came out and she's like, so I didn't have a- she's like, where are you guys from? And they're like, L.A. She's like, oh, you like sushi. You like yoga. <laughs> You eat kale. You're from LA. I was like, what is happening here? <laughs> what is going on right now? Oh, Why are you like, making fun of the fans for answering your question? Well, also, I, Vegas is two and a half, three hours or whatever it is drive from yeah. LA. Like, of course, people are going to be from LA there. And like most of the people that are like in the show match are probably from LA. <laughs> or Vegas, one yeah. of the two. That's it. Yeah. I'm hosting it and the people that were in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so to be fair, I only watched like a couple of the games. Oh, anyway, like, I, I tend to tune out. Uh, there was some drama though mm-hmm. that went down while it was there. Um, Double F was talking about how Bjorkson was denied by Rito Games from yeah. being able to. I, I was surprised. I was kind of surprised to hear that, even though there are kind of normally like non-compete clauses or whatever. I was very surprised because that's seems like a good promo opportunity for league. For the LCS itself, seems like everybody benefits because it's not during LCS. Yeah. Maybe if, if LCS is going on during it, then you're like, okay, makes sense. I think all of us agree with that. Yeah. And I think there's a potential that even Riot NA agrees with that. Um, because mm-hmm. Travis on Hotline League had reported about this. He reached out to LCS for a comment. And the comment he got back was, the LCS abided by a policy set across all legion- regions of LOL Esports against participation in third-party tournaments in season. Uh, and we were speculating on that show about reading between the lines. LCS abided by a policy does not sound like, yep, yeah, yeah. we're in line with this. So I, I think it's pretty <clears throat> unanimous that everyone who heard this is like, we wished Bjergsen could have gone there, but it sounds like it was a p- decided from beyond the scope of just 
just LCS. L- LCS people. Because yeah. L- L- of course, the people who are who are making these decisions for LCS want the want the promotion for LCS as well. Yeah. Right. Like they want yeah. Bjergsen, who's who's like you know the most followed player in the league, probably maybe the most He's- followed player in Western League Legends. I don't know. I'd like, have to check reckless, like, Twitter but it's like up there. Yeah, but he, he's one of the one of yeah. the you know faces of league for sure, and has been for for a really really long time. They would love him working, you know, with Mr. Beast, who's like probably the most popular YouTube creator there is right now. Yeah, at least arguably, he has almost yeah. 100 million followers. Like every video he puts out gets 50 million views, etc. Right, like he's enormous. So, um, you know, having having that collab is is beneficial for for LCS for sure. So, yeah, I mean, it it sucks that that happened. If I was Bjergsen, I would be disappointed, especially because there wasn't anything else going on. Yeah, uh, but definitely, like I, we all would have wanted that to happen. That's cool for for LCS people to be involved. Yeah. All right. Well, that was some easy news. Uh, everybody agrees <laughs> would have been cool to have have him play. Hot now take, onto the hot take. Bjergsen would have ruined the LCS if he went. Now <laughs> onto the more controversial. The TSM roster news. And we're not gonna, just going to talk about the actual roster changes, but the differing announcements. Did you see the difference between like their Twitter announcement and then there was a Reddit, yeah. Uh, yeah. Reddit reply? I, yeah, yeah. I heard initially, like when, when this had got, like I got told, I don't know, a day or two before, like, ah, Hooney's retiring. And I was like, oh, snap. Yeah, everybody Hooney's did retiring? by Doublelift. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't even see that. It's, I, I was just gonna say, it's funny just because he leaked TSM rumors again. Oh, okay. But okay. yeah, he, he leaked it I didn't see it on also. a stream anyway. Someone, someone just messaged me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me, yeah, Like, yeah. oh, he's, he's retiring. This is coming out, whatever. Um, maybe it was Larry from a stream. I don't know. Um, but, but then I saw the tweet and it was like, Stepping down temporarily, you know, kind of like reevaluating his future. Yeah, it made it ambiguous. I was like, is the man retiring or not? Right. And then I guess also on Reddit, they said retiring. Um, But like, I also saw some other comments that he wanted to stick around and maybe like help like coach for soul and help develop soul and stuff. So, yeah, uh, it's very kind of mixed messages Mm -hmm. and a lot of changes (laughs) all at once. And some of them pretty brutal. I mean, them talking about Shen Yi on on Reddit was like, oh, yeah. Real quick for people who didn't get leaked the news, um, like a lot of people did. Huni, wrist injuries. Uh, so he is not going to be playing top lane anymore. He is going to stay on with the team and help coaching the new top laner, whose name is Sol, coming from their academy but team. But is he retiring as a player? Like, is that official? I mean, they put out two different messages, so I, can't, I ever- can't confirm it for you. I would speculate that he is. Mm. Well, also, um, our players- uh, Let me finish this freaking announcement, though. Instinct and Chime, they're also replacing their bottom lane. They're promoting Instinct, and they bought Chime from Golden Guardians. Okay, go ahead. Teacher? I was just going to say that when players retire, you don't even know if they're actually going to stay retired because everyone yeah. retires. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Hooney, Hooney's had such a long career. I, I was kind of salty, and maybe this is me being like an old curmudgeon, but just like how negative a lot of people were, at least on Twitter, like, ah, good riddance, Hooney's trash, you know, get him out of here, that kind of stuff. I was like, God damn, people really don't know Hooney and how good he was for, for so long. And yeah, he has not been a dominant top laner over the last couple of years, um, but like, he, he has been a pretty strong player. And in the earlier years of his career, he was like one of the best top leaders in the world for a long time. Like when he was playing on Fnatic, he was incredible. When he was playing on Immortals in the early days, he was incredible. Um, on, on T1, SKT back then, uh, he won LTK, won MSI. Made world finals. Made world finals. And in that world finals run, I felt like it was him and Faker versus the world. Like the, the bot lane was not playing well. Uh, Jungle <laughs> was not playing well. Like he, he was one of the shining lights for that team. He was not just like dragged along yeah. uh, to a championship. Like this was legitimately one of the best players in the world. 
And also a really fun guy, right? Like, and I think he, to be fair, he's shown less of that personality over the last couple of years because I think he hasn't been winning as much. So maybe just like, you know, that that's kind of like goes hand in hand. Um, but, you know, he, he's he's been one of my favorite players to watch for a lot of years. And even when he was on some of like the worst teams in his last dominant years, I think back to like Clutch, right? In the Rumble Kiana and things like that. Like he has had some really impressive runs on even teams that weren't considered that good. And he's been one of the best Rumble players one of the best GP players for like so many years. Uh, I have a lot of great memories associated with him. That's what I was going to throw out there too. Is like it's not just great teams that he won with. He was one of the few players that felt like he could elevate a mediocre team. Like yeah. Echo Fox made third place match and had what was one of the fastest best of fives ever. I mean, Dardock popped off as well, but like Hoon, that was Hooney's team in a lot of ways. And he was yeah. in the conversation for MVP during that time because of how good he was. And then, like you said, that clutch run was again like, why did that team make worlds? <laughs> it's like, it doesn't seem like they should have, and they did. So I, I think he is very underrated because it fell off. But he is, he, even during his peaks, people have been critical of him because he has a very volatile play style. He is in that like shy prototype where like, yeah. you know, you have these zero 10 games. <laughs> He's definitely people... not shy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not the shy, but like he has the shy ass games where like you're zero 10 and people think you're and zero, zero, you, 10. you're, you're running it. Yeah. Yeah. He was a coin flip top laner. Um, but that was cool because in North American history, a lot of our best tops have not been the Uber aggro. I'm going to take over the game. And, and Huni was one of the few. And I mean, you even look at like his his days with Rainover, right? Like Huni Rainover as, as that combo, um, they were they were dominating so much. And when they when they kind of like split up, it was clear that like Huni was the the more lasting part of the duo, right? <laughs> we like, found that out pretty quick. Yeah, like you know, and, and I do think Huni deserves a lot of credit for it. And also, it's not like he's been like the worst top laner in the league or anything like that. Even right? as he's like, retiring now. Even as he's retiring now, like I still think he's he's very easily LCS level. Um, and I have heard that it's been a lot harder for him to practice more. And like, you know, as as you're having wrist problems, if you're trying to put in more hours to actually like improve your current level, that's very difficult to grind scrims, to grind solo queue, to do all this stuff. Um, like I have I have wrist issues and it it becomes really, really severe if you're like not allowing it time to rest. So uh, I'm hopeful for him that he can recover and if he wants to come back that he can come back. And as I'm talking about that, it makes you want to do wrist stretches yeah you just like um, yeah, it subconsciously yeah every time i start hearing any conversation about it i start you know doing it uh i don't think this is going to make the team better though uh people no. are wondering about these changes overall uh i don't think it's going to be like a p big power improvement mid split from uh you know from where they're where they're standing right now um i mean tsm academy and golden guardians academy which they bought chime from were both tied for ninth uh, 10th in Academy uh, currently. I know that they're excited for these specific players from those teams, um, but uh, I don't think this is going to you know, be... People are like, oh my god, is, is TSM saved? Uh, not yet. <laughs> there's there's so many angles to talk about this from, because there's yeah. the Huni eulogy kind of thing we just did. Mm -hmm. There's this, like, what's the future for the current set of TSM? There's what does this mean for, like, next year, potentially, because there's mm -hmm. the speak implications. There's what is it going on with their PR, which we kind of touched on, but also, like, management and coaching. Like, there's so many angles to tackle. I guess we'll keep on with the, like, current form. But, yeah, yeah this is feels like blowing up and abandoning the dream that you were going to make worlds like there was a period of time where in the offseason people were like this roster could be top five and it felt like they 
gave it <laughs> two, two, two and a half, three weeks to get there, Dude, and it's not there. A couple of weeks ago, I was thinking that they could maybe push to be top five. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a sentiment that like this has the talent on paper to potentially get there. It didn't manifest, and so it feels like they just pulled the plug on the experiment, and they're seeing what pieces that they can start acquiring yeah. to look for next year. I, I wonder how much of this was like, okay, they were already thinking that they should do this and scrims have been bad the whole split and whatever. And how <laughs> much was like, oh God, we lost a Dignitas. Like we really suck. We got to change something. Um, because going previous to that week, they like speak had had some really good individual performances. It felt like Mabel was playing all right. Like if they could work together a little bit better, you could see them starting to pick up some wins. And like fifth was, didn't feel like a stretch of the imagination to me, you know, like top five, top six. Um, and so and then they had that horrible game against Dig and like everything blows up. So like I don't know if that's the straw that broke Campbell's back or if it was completely unrelated, but like it's it's concerning for TSM and as you said, there's a lot of angles to it. I think it's it's really concerning for for like the org um as well, like, you know, not just how they release Shen Yi, but like when enough things start going bad for an organization, it becomes much harder to get good talent to join you, right? And TSM has not had like years and years and years of bad performances. It wasn't that long ago that they won last, but like their reputation is tanking so fast, it is actually crazy. And now they, they import all these LPL players at the start of the year, right? And that has completely flopped. And it was like this unceremonious exit for Shen Yi where they kind of dump on him. They say he's a liability for their academy team to develop and like, you know, really kind of kind of dumping on this player who was a huge prospect in the LPL who apparently had starting role offers in the LPL. It's like, how many people are gonna wanna, are gonna wanna come to this orc, right? I really have concerns for TSM's future because of that. And it starts to be this, this position where, and I never thought I would say this about TSM, it's like, speak out, you almost feel like you gotta get out of there. <laughs> like you're ruining your career being on TSM. And I would, that's like blasphemy a couple of years ago. This team always made finals, was always one of the best orgs, one of the best known orgs in the world, right? Like TSM chance made their way international even when TSM didn't um, because of the popularity of the org and, and how well reputed it was. But like, it's, it's just weird. And I do feel really bad for Spika now. It's like, if this is a move towards 2023, trying to find some pieces that'll work for next year, well, there goes another year for Spika, right? Like this guy was the MVP How long is this contract? I think it's up it's next up, year. It's up this year, I think yeah. It's up, yeah, I think, it, I think it's his last year on contract. And and if you lose Spika, then what the hell is TSM going to do? Like who, who wants to join this team, right? You know, like that is your big star. And if you can't even convince him that it's good to stay, and I feel like it will be hard to convince him that it's good to stay after this year, uh, the future for TSM looks grim. Like a lot of the decisions that they're making are, are really questionable. Um, and like player roster aside, they have lost like all of the coaches and managers and all the people that were involved in their long stretch of success pretty much, right? Um, so it, it, it feels hard. It feels hard for them to come back from this. I mean, it's been on fire in, in, internally for TSM for a while now. Um, and just constantly hearing all these, you know, stories and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, the ones, the ones that come out, and then the explanations. The ones that don't of, sometimes. The, the explanations of like why that's the story that did come out, and like what you know was going on is just like, oh my gosh, you know how are how are things still running? Uh, yeah, honestly, it at the beginning it was like, oh, haha, look at all this drama we're getting from TSM. But now it's like, oh my god. Uh, somebody do something yeah uh on the speak angle first i guess 
the best the best <laughs> argument you might be able there's a lot of things to navigate uh, on the speak angle the best argument for him maybe staying on tsm funnily enough is that a lot of the junglers on other teams feel pretty cemented like closer with 100 thieves yeah. and santorum with tl and like maybe tl would, if would TL wanted to look more towards the future tl is a team that's pretty aggressive yeah. with turning over their roster so maybe that's his best angle but like blabber with c9 you know like a lot of the the top teams inspired with eg are not going to spring necessarily so maybe that's that's the only but other than that speak definitely it's going to be a hotly contested free agent you would think this offseason um on the pr angle i actually and i know this is not the popular take because uh, a lot of people in the scene i already know have come out and been like about this whole like liability thing uh are really against that kind of information coming out or like that opinion the language it's the the language yeah it's not the information well i mean liability compared to some of the things that have come out is not even that aggressive i would say yeah um basically he's saying like they're hampering their their development like you're stopping your academy that's like i think that's like pretty damning as far as like job recommendations this guy prevents our academy roster from oh but it's not a leaked video of him flaming the hell out of his team or something like we have come out before and i think um, for to defend Shenyi before I take this angle, yep. I think Shenyi was given an impossible task. He was brought in as a really young guy, expected to shot call and lead in a different country without what looked like a functioning support system around him in the actual management. The management was on fire independently of what was going on with like bringing in LDL prospects and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like there was no world where Shenyi could have succeeded this split outside of this roster just being insane. That's how it felt. So like I don't judge him for losing motivation and like mental booming a little bit which is what it sounded like happened when he lost his starting spot i don't blame him at all as a young kid for being in that situation yeah this is not a shot at him independently an organization saying something happened is not going to kill his career and it's not going to stop players from going there after the things that we have seen in this scene like clg still signed players after the bud light ace you know like they still have a functioning team tl after breaking it's a better point. team actually yeah, it's a better team <laughs> CL, tl still signed players after breaking point like there's been yeah. a lot of times where orgs have kind of leaked like kind of put a player down fairly or unfairly and they still sign players and those players still have careers afterwards and so i do think yeah. the scene gets really like hand wringing about like oh my god they said something negative about their own player that they just released i don't really care like thank god they've said something so i will defend it but the inconsistencies across the messaging i don't like yeah i i was gonna say that also from what i've been hearing is very much both sides uh have some blame here <laughs> uh, yeah. so yes like it is kind of it, it, the language that they chose is kind of shitty, but I do actually want, you know, more info in situations like this. I don't want another thing where they're like, oh, we got some systems in place and they just didn't match up. <laughs> uh, and I know you're not lobbying for that, but <laughs> I, it, it is, it is uh, from the things I've been hearing too, like Shenyi for sure, like it was, uh, it was like a big mental boom and it was, uh, uh, you know, things were definitely not working out behind the scenes. Um, and yes, you can also say, yeah, you know, TSM, uh, you know, maybe unless we get like investigative journalism, you know, videos leaks, you know, from behind <laughs> yeah. the scenes or whatever, could also be their coaching staff and how they're interacting with them and, and you know, how the parties are working together. Um, but I sure. think it's a case where there is blame on both sides. For sure. There's, bl- there's blame on both sides. And I'm not even saying it's unreasonable to like, you know, he just doesn't deserve criticism or whatever. But like, man, I don't know. Reading is pretty rough. Unfortunately, Shen Yi is. is becoming a liability to our academy team's development. We originally believed that Shen Yi could be our starting support for our LCS team. However, we 
quickly realized that Mia had a better champion pool and better laning skills than Shen Yi. Like, I don't know. I just, I just think you, you could, you could just put it in a way like, hey, we, we set goals for for Shen Yi. He didn't live up to his expectations. He hasn't been performing at the level that we've needed from him. We're replacing him. Boom. It's like basically the same. This, this just sounds like pretty brutal. It's like not only are you saying like, oh, like basically, you know. He, he's like toxic for your team. He's preventing the development, but also his champion pool is bad and his laning skills are bad. And so like that, that feels pretty rough. Um, especially when it's like, they're not even putting Mia in as, as their starter right now. Right? Like Mia, obviously there's, they have some information on him too. I, I actually feel like the information that they gave on a lot of people was pretty transparent and didn't feel as brutal. Like Chime, for example, I loved this information. They said like his performance over the break was top notch, gave us confidence in his ability to succeed because of this synergy. We decided to use him in Chime uh, as an LCS starter in week five. So they're saying it's only week five. He had a good week, but they also say they still believe in Mia and like he has to get back to where they think he can get like, that's all great info. I love the transparency, but like those couple sentences there for, for Shen Yi feels a bit too much to me. And like, we can agree to disagree on yeah. it. Um, but I do think like, as much as you're saying, hey, like this doesn't stop players from getting signed. I have also specifically talked to players and coaches who have literally referenced like things like this as reasons that they have not gotten signed. Um, that like someone said in an interview that they're toxic or whatever. And like the player will tell me, yeah, well, this gets brought up and they decide they go, to, they're going to go a different way because they're not sure if I'm going to be good for the team and stuff. So like, I do think sometimes teams don't do full due diligence and like just hear something <laughs> or whatever. Wait, t sometimes they sometimes, don't do full due diligence. So, so no it's like this, way. This, these, these quotes can affect you. They can, but what usually is the case far more often than the interview is people talking behind the scenes. Yes. And that's why I really don't care as much about this because what really, if someone is usually getting hampered, it's because your players who are, were playing with you while you were being toxic, everyone talks to each other on Discord and on other things and they relay some of these stories and they spread yep. around. Like Kobe and I have probably heard some pretty bad stories about what's been going on at TSM recently that have not come publicly. If you and I know those, a lot of other people in the scene know those. And this is not that bad compared to the stories I have heard. So in that context, you might blame this for the reason that maybe someone doesn't get a job, like situations like this. But in reality, it's actually usually the behind the scenes conversations. Mm -hmm. And to the point about due diligence, a lot of people don't ask for firsthand sources and they just go with these rumors. And it's usually less these public facing things that are getting you in trouble and more of the things behind the scenes that, yeah. that didn't bubble up. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of Game of Thrones uh, yeah, behind the scenes to action actually going on. All right, so good discussion, a lot of news. Shall we get to our first anchor.fm question here uh, from Felipe? Sure. Hello. I was wondering why do you guys think teams always change players before coaches? Thank you. Short, sweet, and to the point. Yeah. I like that type of question. Um, so we were actually kind of um, discussing this a little bit earlier. Do you actually feel like... Um, there have been a decent amount of uh, coaches released because I feel like this is true. You know, I guess there's just way there are definitely more players. And so player changes, there are going to be a higher volume of player changes. I don't remember like a lot of really big impact coaching changes. Like what was there? There was drama with Jat. Mm -hmm. um, there was drama behind the scenes with Reaper. Um, but they rode that but out it was, the end of the split. Exactly, but that wasn't like a mid-split thing. Um, that was like just end of the year uh, thing. And then he en ended up on 100 Thieves, uh, another top teammate. So 
I feel like, yeah, I feel like there hasn't been super big, uh, you know, big coaching changes um, oh, TL. that were like, like super drama. TL has done a, a lot of coaching changes. I, the only one I can think of is the Jat one, though. They had between spring and summer when Jack came in. I mean, Kane, Croissant, like all, all the people that they like. Well, the the double of situation is what got Jack brought in. Yeah. Um, so like they they had gone through something, but they also changed out double if during that time too. Yeah, um, D Lim was also a TL coach for for a bit, right? Like, yeah, but he didn't. To get, answer the question though, you know yeah. why why do you think whether you think that um, the the, the, the teams change players before coaches or not, which I think that they do. Uh, there are way less volume of coaches to choose from. To yeah. New prospects, like who are you going to replace your coach with, is is the biggest issue issue with replacing coaches. You know, yes, there are a lot of teams that are like, or uh, players are constantly talking about how this coach isn't teaching me anything, or this you know coach isn't good for the team. But they're looking around, and there are very few, if any, coaches that have you know, well-organized layouts for how they want to improve teams, even an idea and a structure of what they want to bring to a team, mm -hmm. uh, much less coaches that have that plus experience and proven success. Like that dwindles their list down to like one, two people. So to uh, go to your point, I think to read into the question that he, the, the caller is talking about, Felipe, it's less about changing coaches between splits or seasons and more about like in-season changes, I think is what he's saying. Like why are players looked to as the problem and not the coaches? Yeah, and I'm saying because in, there's, yeah. it's almost impossible to replace I, them. I also yeah. think in-season, like even if there is another good uh, candidate for coach, like the coach is, is setting like your whole system, right? So it's like you have to, you're almost starting from ground zero if you change your coach mid-split. I think that can be really, really disruptive. Um, so oftentimes mm -hmm. they are going to put it off till the end of the year because it's like, okay, if you're going to change your whole strategy around practice, if you're going to change uh, the entire play style, if you're going to like, you know, practice. Who's like, organizing scrim. Exactly. Like all these things can really be a massive shift that affects everyone. So I think like as far as in split changes, people are hoping that like, okay, Mark's kind of bad, but like Kobe will be better. So we can like pop him in there and maybe everything else can be the same, but we're just going to like win more games. Whereas coaching kind of really does touch everything and, and is going to be a bigger shift. Um, but like another example I had was Zix, right? Like Zix went from like being, you know, winning a bunch of coach to the coach of the split or at least being talked about as one of the best coaches in the split. I remember even when Parth was winning coach of the split and stuff, he, he said he thought Zix was the best coach and having having kind of that conversation. And he went from like CLG for a long time to TSM for a year, to 100 Thieves for a year, to, to no job, right? And like, I do think coaches do get, do get dropped pretty quickly, but it kind of feels more like if it's like a team with stars, then the coach is more likely to get fired. If it's a team with like smaller name players, then the players are more likely to just get recycled because it's easier for the coach to say, oh, well, it's like these guys' fault kind of thing. Well, I think another like, obvious reason why it's easier to change the players than the coaches is there are obvious metrics that you can just point to that the player is underperforming or doing yeah. bad. There's no obvious metric for coaching staff, you know, behind the scenes. Uh, there's no stats there. And so it's all about how involved the management above the coach is with that team and paying attention and, you know, truly and fairly like evaluating the success of the coach as opposed to the player. And you're like, why is this player inting first blood every single game? Get him out of here. Like it's way easier to point to that and yeah, say, look point. at that problem. I see it on stage which are the only times that like the management above them, you know, watch games or whatever, right? They're not in uh, scrims all the time and stuff. And so that information filter, I think, is a big reason too. Yeah, that gets into 
a bit of politics <laughs> within internally. I can team. see your brain working there as you're trying to figure out your pathway. It's basically, I think, uh, coaches are more embedded within an organization to not only just all the system things you guys are talking about, but also like this information filter up and the relationships and these kinds yeah. of things. A coach has a unfair power advantage to survive in an environment where something's not going well or there's these problems like generally speaking a coach will be more in contact with their gm or their ownership group than a player will be um even if you do talk to a player a fair amount like it, it's just like the structure doesn't give players as much thing i know a lot of pro players in the past have complained about how much how, how little agency players have in teams these days compared to the glory days, uh, you know, the golden era. <laughs> when we ran the whole team, baby. Yeah. The, so, the so staff I, was us. They have yep. lost a lot of power. And so I do think that causes players to get blamed in these situations that you guys are talking about. They're also more public. Like a lot of coaches who are positional coaches, assistant coaches get fired over the split and people just don't talk about it because it's yeah. not, no, 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 there's no, not a different guy in the chair now. You, not even a different guy on stage usually. It's just some random guy who got let go that no one knows. So I think a lot of the common turnover is less visible but i do agree that i think players get unfairly blamed and i think in this tsm situation to tie it back in the previous conversation that management slash coaching group is going to get a critical eye i think in the off season because uh this has been a dumpster fire of a split and i don't blame any of the players that man really. it's a lot of fresh management so yeah. as far as the the critical eye you know as i was touching on it earlier how much of a clean sweep they did with getting basically all new upper management and everything. Yep. Parth gone, um, gone, beer except gone. For, uh, except for Reggie. So yeah, lots of lots of changes um, there. Good question. Thank you for the F anchor.fm question. Keep sending those in uh, if you're listening right now. Love mm -hmm. to. We love to stockpile those. So even if we don't use it immediately upon getting it, like we did, I think, with this one, um, our producer loves to have options to work with. Totally. All right, 12, 13, patch notes came out today. This is a big It's patch. a chonky boy. I've been waiting for this one. Everybody's been waiting because this is a situation where we saw uh, the um, balance team like release uh, basically the notes, um, almost saw the notes really early, and then Riot took the week off. And mm -hmm. so we've just kind of been waiting for the other foot to drop. At least I have. So I'm super excited. Uh, for this one, because I've got my whole plan ahead of how to, <laughs> how to what you're going to abuse for how to continue <laughs> climbing. Because one of the things I was abusing was Volibear. Yeah, and Volibear uh, got whacked. <laughs> Time to abuse Master Yi because <laughs> he seems broken. Um, there, there was a few like kind of what they call them. I guess like the mid scope changes or mid scope updates, or whatever they yeah. call them. Um, Siver is is really interesting. Like this is a lot of changes. They're like. You know, Siver, Siver is just not really being played at all anymore. At least it's very rare. There was the one game from Luger that's like the only like recent pro game that sticks in my mind. Um, you know, it's it's very hard for for like to justify picking this this champion because the range is incredibly short. Like you're not not able to participate in, in kind of team fights as, as well as you used to be able to. I think there's a lot more threat than there used to be some of the older days uh, when Siver was super popular. So they've completely changed Siver around. Um, there's all kinds of base stat changes. Like her base health is going down a lot. Uh, that her passive they're giving you more move speed than you used to get, but it's decaying instead of flat. But 20% flat at, at like at level one. 
uh, or 20 more move speed flat at level one is a significant amount. Cause I think you only get what 25 from break one boots. So like that is a significant little boost of move speed there. Uh, the Q changes feels like it's, it's shifting the Q much more towards late game because the base damage is going down. It can actually scale with crit. So like if you get to hundred percent crit, it's 50% bonus damage, uh, later on. Um, but it's much more, it feels like pushed towards uh, a late game scaling thing, uh, which is, is leading me to believe that W is, is the new max. Uh, they're taking the passive attack speed that used to be with Ricochet on your ultimate and actually just putting it on the W. Uh, so you do have a ton of attack speed early on in the game. Uh, it's just flat four seconds that it lasts instead of only three attacks. So like if you have a ton of attack speed, you could potentially get a ton of these attacks out. It can also bounce to the same player twice now, potentially. Um, but as you were talking about when we were talking about this earlier, Mark, like the total AD um, ratio on this is down significantly. So like the individual bounces will do less. Uh, it also does less uh, damage to minions. Um, but it's, it's going to be interesting because I feel like with that change, plus the E spell shield being um, health back instead of instead mana. of mana, like if you have enough mana to actually play out the, the lane, you, like Sivir could be pretty strong with W max and just like hard shoving the wave with your bonus attack speed, right? And just using the, the E for sustain. I'm just not sure if you're gonna have enough mana because you're, you're like, your your base mana went up a tiny bit, mana growth went down, mana regen went down. You don't get mana back on your E. So it feels like you like almost have to go crit uh, for some of the scaling that they're, they're kind of like putting into the Q and stuff, um, which feels like Essence Reaver rush. Yeah, just not she sure already loved Essence mana. Reaver though, so. Yeah, yeah, well, everyone's doing Lethality these days, right? So no one was really going Essence Reaver anymore. It was like all the Spellcaster builds. Um, but it, I'm just not sure if you have enough mana to actually make it through the laning phase or not, right? But if you can actually access the wave, this feels like almost like kind of like Xyrocon-esque where all you have all that bonus attack speed that is going to allow you to always get shove. I can imagine the Whirlwind of Boomerang Blades as well with the increased Lake range game. of the bouncing and eight bounces and stuff and how uh, much attack speed she gets. Just imagining everybody on my team trying to separate from each other in team fights. Yeah, <laughs> to break the 500 range. Like I feel like uh, I feel like it's gonna have a lot of that like team fight AOE damage that you're looking for later. Um, and the Q can go down to a zero second cast time. Yeah, you so like be throwing it out as you're autoing. I, I'm seeing this and I'm thinking danger already. Uh, <laughs> danger for my team fights. So uh, Sivir is already kind of difficult uh, if you're, especially if you're like a spell based, um, you know, diver. I always play junglers that uh, are trying to you got blocked their one ability and yeah, they're like, all right, I'm done. One exactly. Ball the bear. <laughs> like I play, I play a lot of Rexi, yeah. and if you have a spell shield against Rexi, let me tell you, <laughs> you're looking good. Um, but yeah, I, I think that one's that one's a pretty cool change. Um, I I don't know if uh, you want to point out. I the, was just gonna say I'm excited for these changes because they've really changed her identity. Because there's also what you forgot to mention is the uh, attack or basic ability refund on, on auto attacks yeah. when you're ulted. Yeah. Yep. And so with the no animation speed, with all the things that are scaling now with attack speed and crit in her build, she's very clearly and the fact that her E heals her instead of it's like she's supposed to be in a fight scrapping it out. Trying yeah. to like life steal sustain with, with all these bounces speed and stuff. Yeah, with move speed and like insane attack speed. So like the identity is cool to me. I don't know if it's good. It's hard to look at this and get any sort of like feeling of like, wow, that's busted. It's yeah. I, I, maybe I'll, it is. Maybe it'll be super underwhelming. I can't tell. Did I, did find it funny they added more healing to the game by adding healing. Yeah, more plus healing. The, plus the R <laughs> now the duration refreshes every time you get an assist. Even so, theoretically, if you're if you're yeah. like playing with a dive comp, you could just be nonstop getting getting refreshes on like your Olaf or your whatever running in, um, getting that move speed back over and over. Is, it seems really really powerful. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I feel like so much of it is just going to depend on. On like can you lane well because i think if 
if you can't if, if people can't just like walk past the wave and kill you if you try to if you try to lane then like it's gonna be very hard to lane against Sivir, right like if she just walks up level one w um you know having the bonus attack speed right off the bat uh seems really really powerful all right my single change i'm most excited for though is Corky nerf, baby. I knew you were going to say Corky nerf. <laughs> <laughs> They're nerfing Corky rockets. They're nerfing Corky scaling. I'm so happy. Buff. So happy to see this. Huh? It's a Bjergsen buff. Thunder are coming in hot. <laughs> yeah, because they're nerfing the AP ratio, but they're not nerfing the AD ratio on the rockets. <laughs> Oh God. Um, uh, uh, so anyways, I really do like, <laughs> really happy with this nerf and this uh, attempt at starting to change some of the uh, the meta, especially for mid lane. Because I want to see more, you know, kill oriented and roaming mid laners, of course, as well as more kill oriented and roaming bottom laners um, to come in. Also, I'm super hyped for a whole bunch of junglers. Evelyn getting some buffs. Elise is getting some buffs. Olaf is... Getting some lane nerfs with mana cost and um, health generation, mm -hmm. but getting attack speed passive buffs. So is going to be, since junglers don't have to care about mana regen because you get so much mana regen from your jungle item, um, should be actually positive for jungle Olaf. So I'm bringing him in to replace my volleybear. My volleybear. Mm. Um, and, and definitely going to get some, uh, some Evelyn in because... Evelyn is so fun when you get ahead. The Yi buffs are, are really insane. Like I saw I saw Rush playing it last night and it was actually hilarious. <laughs> so he's I mean he's always uh just normally hilarious, but like yeah, whenever you're adding straight 50 attack, 50 range, attack range to a melee champion. Yeah. It's in it's uh, that's got to be hugely hugely beneficial. Not to mention the reposition on your alpha strike adds so much more counterplay. Um, it's like, you know, when, when Zed is having matchups, right? And you're like playing Arya or something and you just always know, oh, I'll throw my charm behind, uh, me. behind me, right? And so you catch him, you know, out of the ultimate. Master Yi, you're not going to be able to predict his, his meditate or uh, his uh, alpha strike anymore. And meditate got increased to 90%. And half the cooldown. <laughs> damage reduction for the beginning. And you can just snap cast it. So you get 0 0.5, 90% at the very beginning and then it'll linger for another 0.5%. So you can, you can just snap cast it for like a mid fight, 90% damage reduction yep. for a full second, uh, not even having to channel the rest of it for the you know reduced uh, damage reduction or anything. That plus the mana cost changes to cost a lot more the longer you channel it, clearly is supposed to be dropped in the middle of a fight to negate a big chunk of damage and then yep. keep going as opposed to just like actually channeling and just healing. You just what, this what, what That's the old this? animation, remember? Before he <laughs> yeah, yeah but he doesn't jiggle it. He just holds it. No, it, no, it goes up old, and down. His old animation, when it was triangle feet, when it was triangle yeah. feet, he would do yeah. this, and then they update him to just hold it up and meditate. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about old Wuju Master. Yeah, cool. Beats feet. Beats feet. Beats me. <laughs> you're living in the past. <laughs> That's definitely true. I mean, the, the 50, 50 attack range just seems insane. Yeah. I, I feel like this is this is gonna get hotfix nerfed it's it's got it like it seems yeah. it just sounds it, crazy to you're me. supposed to give a little take a little right give, where's, give, where's, give a lot where's the take <laughs> nothing <laughs> just give 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 yeah especially at low elo where he is already like overpowered this seems so broken um but like that that change is really crazy the fiddle six are you excited about the fiddle six stuff? Like so, longer fear duration and not, bar buff? So dur durability really sucked for fiddle six because fiddle six is so much about you big burst, big yeah. burst of your your ulti, and if you can't kill people in your fear durations, I'm actually I'm definitely gonna try it because I spam uh, played a lot of fiddle six, but 
Um, I don't know really if this is going to be enough because the increase on fear duration was like 0.25 seconds. My laptop 0.25. died. I don't have 0.25, the... 0.25, yep. Yeah, is it, it, it's a little bit. Um, it seems a little bit more placebo um, mm -hmm. because considering they gave Seraphine like an extra, you know, ha half just <laughs> when she was already good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no salt there. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it's enough to like try them again. I'm not super excited or something. It does give you more of what I was talking about where your ultimate has more damage also. So you have a better chance at having your big ultimate moment and getting that kill. But then I'm still like, okay, for the rest of the match though, when I don't have ultimate, I'm even more... Well yeah, like the, the, the 0.25 second fear change is one that you probably won't feel very much, but will actually help you a fair amount mm -hmm. in the sense like, oh, now I get a little bit longer to try and get that little bit of damage out to kill them. I or, mean, it's definitely going to be a benefit. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a negative thing. It's it's good, <laughs> but it's it's definitely not a feel thing. And yeah. a lot of things in games are like, how does it, does, do I feel stronger? Even if the win rate goes up from, you know, 1%, yeah. it's it. People aren't going to have a perception change yeah. about the champion. Pretty good chunk on, of damage on the ulti. The ulti so if like if I that means I can actually get my kills with it with the big ulti, then then maybe. Well, I, I'm just so much more excited to play all these other junglers that the Phil Six is not really in my mind right now. I think You're my playing Evelyn. My AP, yeah, I'm going to play Evelyn. But uh, uh, I, do you think the passive changes really matter that much though for Evelyn? It's just like you heal faster when you're in stealth, basically. Uh, I, I think it does matter. Uh, mm -hmm. She, she, yeah. I, I think I'm pretty excited because she was already in a decent place. Um, and I, I was gonna say though, I have two APs. Evelyn's gonna be added. Sunfire, Daimonic, uh, Diana. I still am trying to get all the junglers to play that. It's, it's really busted. It's like 4% higher win rate. I was watching your stream and you are talking about it nonstop. <laughs> uh, so those are good AP options. And then uh, Olaf, Rek'Sai, really good early game options uh, as well. So And there's so many good enchanters right mm -hmm. now. You can just play Olaf. I would not be surprised if we see a bunch of like Blabber Olaf comps where they've got Seraphine and Senna healing them up from behind. We get new Sivir in here for some speed up again. Olaf loves that too. Uh, so I think Olaf's going to be in a pretty healthy place back to jungle instead of just top lane i'll also defend the evelyn buffs because uh i can imagine malice in competitive because I, I was watching you know academy a lot more last split when mm -hmm. he was playing and he made evelyn look broken sometimes yeah and yep. what makes him so good at evelyn is the use of stealth and the passive in mid to late game team fights to know the limits of the champion, get out, get yeah. healed back up, and now that you chunked him to 20% health, you got checked to 20% health, and then you heal up and but run back in. Cap and he's backed up, whatever, Yeah, 70%. so uh, the fact that she can kill people easier with the allure uh, MR reduction, yeah. mm -hmm. the fact that the, the R now puts your passive on a much shorter cooldown, so you can R out and instantly begin healing, and then yeah. you get more healing. Yeah, well, it's not instantly. So like well, 1.25 seconds instead of four. I, yeah, it's, it's way better, way better. Way better. <laughs> so you, you can just do that kind of annoying, harassing late game power yeah uh which is the uh, hardest part of the champion to play in competitive probably yeah uh and if there's any good evelyn's in the lcs please try her yeah no I, i'm definitely excited also just because when you do live the fantasy of evelyn and you have a successful early game and you start to get fed it is one of the most fun champions one of the most fun experiences that you can have in this game I know you like playing rogues, Azale. So like actually just running around the map invisible, assassinating people and just like you're one shot here. Oh, I've got 25 stacks on my Medjai's. You know, you just keep one shotting everybody. And Yumi's in the game. Have you ever played Evelyn with a I Yumi have, on yeah. you? That is actually the most godlike uh, jungle experience there is. Cause you can just literally go find anyone on the map and they're just dead. It's cool. Contracts.
Yeah. CLG, the Yumi team. Get in there. Get yeah. get some some Yumi Evelyn going. It's also uh, I mean, there, there's Ooh. well, uh, thank you for the for the replacement. There's also um, Gwen there got go. like a, a mid scope change. So Gwen Gwen also yeah. is, it's supposed to be like a nerf towards pro. Um, there's a lot of a lot of actual just kind of like damage type changes. Um, like the E gets more attack range. It it does more damage on hit, but you get less cooldown refund. The main like my what I parsed out of this is what they're considering to be the big pro nerfs are less cooldown refund on the E and the Hallow Miss lasts one second left less so like those are the two big changes i'm just not sure like how much that offsets also the r is yeah. not the instant reset on on uh, auto attack it's just a one second delay so you can just use it more for like wave clear or even like long range without having to be up on someone because it just auto resets in between um you know between the shots where you don't have to like catch up to them so against range champions that could actually be a buff the q damage actually went up yeah. um, and has better wave clear now if a minion is below 20 percent and gets queued it takes a thousand percent bonus damage, so it's just it's just insta one shot. Yeah. Um, These. I don't know. Like it, it kind of read almost it, like a buff. Here, to me. What it read because I remember the the last episode we did, <laughs> uh, and and Mark was like reread those Belveth changes, and I said, "What is under the nerfs? Uh, are you? It's definitely a nerf, right?" And now I'm rereading this one. I'm having the same feeling. I'm like, mm, "Wait a second here." I feel like it's this, a buff. This it's is called yeah, an adjustment. To be fair. Okay. But yeah. It's supposed to be a pro nerf. Yeah, it's supposed to be a pro nerf, um, but yeah, I, I think the the R power is gonna be is gonna be quite big. So yeah, like even it, that that it does so much damage. I could just see a team fight where it's like you're just poking people out with this thing, <laughs> right? Like you don't even have to dive yeah. in. Yeah, that seems like a huge utility buff in terms of chase down sequences, where like if you didn't have an auto attack, the person could get out against it, like Jace. Yeah, and now they, she can just keep chasing. Yep. And I already thought the armor and magic resist in your hallowed mist was kind of underrated. They're increasing it. Yeah, the duration is going down but now like you know sometimes there was counterplay like ooh, i'll get inside the mist and we can actually kill her like but now jacks or whatever yeah exactly but now even though you could target her with spells she's gonna be even more tanky still inside it you know during the for me the, the duration the crux of it, if it's a buffer or nerf will be how much damage is the 75 percent instead of 100 percent true damage on her q mm -hmm. yeah like i haven't done the math on like how what the breakpoint is for the armor or the mr needs to be to yeah. make that change but assuming it's not that high then this is probably a buff you also get more e on hit damage and more range you just don't get the refund as much so yeah that is going to be a big change and, but to be fair i think the refund was very valuable for being able to take ignite uh tp yep. because good gwens could get the refund and still have their e to dodge things so like i can see that one still being a nerf for pro play but the the q change with the if, if the damage is actually lower in the majority of cases, assuming you're sweet spotting it, then I think this is a nerf maybe yeah. for pro. It'll be, it'll be interesting to yeah. see how it works out. Most important change of the patch though, of course, Runeptune got buffs, so we know it's back to 100%. Bring it back, baby! I missed that crocodile. <laughs> the R scale's a little bit off AD. I don't know if that's really going to matter if I ever yeah, Runeptune. No, no, no. The, the real thing we need to talk about, which I know Kobe's passionate about, objective bounties. Yep. Kobe, what, what's your take <laughs> oh. on these objective bounty changes? Okay, so I will say that at least, um, uh, so Matt, the designer that we actually had on the episode where we did the yeah. interview with them. Right, Froxon. Yeah, Froxon did do a follow-up tweet 
uh, addressing one of the parts that was most frustrating to me about the patch notes, where the second part where they're talking about objective bounties, it gives almost no information. Do you want me to read the tweet? Yeah, because right uh, I haven't, I, I don't have the it login says, for so this one. He tweeted out, he says, sorry, I griefed the patch notes a bit. The objective bounty changes to dragons and turrets are a nerf to their valuation. This means that dragon and turret advantages are less likely to trigger objective bounties, which relatively means experiencing gold make up more of the share. So it's hopefully going to eliminate some of those weird ones where it's like a team is down 5k but have three dragons and randomly the team that is like up gold has has bounties you know what i mean yeah. like th things like that that are just like not yeah. really working how you would expect and so that that is like the uh third change that they made they also said that they are reducing um the amount that you have to catch up to to uh start giving away your bounties okay this is really hard to explain okay yeah that was not clear okay so the let's say this is the winning team this is the team that's trying to make the comeback now your bounties will start to disappear earlier so you only come back like this much they start to disappear but they linger you know that thing in the bottom right corner ticks for 60 seconds instead of just five seconds so they will start to go away earlier but it will last on the map and both teams will know that there is 60 seconds left of the objective bounties still on the map. So there's potentially more time. Like so, if you win a big team fight while it's lingering, you could maybe run and grab a couple objective bounties from towers. But uh, it is supposed to start triggering the lingering yeah. and start going, going away earlier so, so that but you, we just don't know the exact yes. numbers, so it's hard to know, is this actually like exactly. less that, of a swing or more of a swing? That's the frustrating part because you're like, okay, so if it's significantly... Uh, earlier, that means that the comebacks won't be as you oh. know, crazy or prolific. One little thing that I just noticed. So claiming objective bounty as bounties are lingering now cancels all other objective bounties. So you can't grab multiple. Yeah. So, so it, that, it's, that is a good change. It, it, yeah, exactly. That takes away the big like so you can't, slingshot like, or whatever. Bear, grab a whole bunch. Three towers yeah. and then it falls But it's up. basically like you have 60 seconds to get your last get one. Get a bounty. Yeah. Yep. Get, get your last bounty. To get you into what the game considers an equal state. Yeah. Yep. And so even though we still don't have the details on that, I think that generally this is a positive change to objective bounties. Yeah. I still think maybe a little bit of adjustment for um, the rewards and stuff is good, uh, but I'm happy that they are still looking at it and still making adjustments. Um, and generally, I think these are going to be positive. Also, a lot of people I know are going to be wondering where the hell are the pro changes for early game. Um, I do yeah. know, and I have been given permission to say that Riot is working on those. Uh, pre-15 kills in pro are down like 30%, I believe, is, is the numbers that I saw internally. So a lot. Yeah. Uh, and that is leading to, to the feeling of slow, stale games in a lot of the games. Um, they are working on it. The one thing I was allowed uh, to, to mention about it is that they are looking to reduce sustain, uh, systemic sustain. So like runes and, and items and so on, uh, maybe giving less sustain uh, in, in the future to try to like create more action, which I like that. But a sale, Sivir just got yeah. just got extra healing on her spell shield. Yeah. What's going? Um, but but I, I do think that would be a good way to do it because it makes uh, lanes more risky, right? If you take a bad trade and your potions heal for less and your second wind heals for less or your grass heals for less, yeah. then you have to either stay at low health and risk yeah. dying, or you have to base and take a take a fat all. We right? need a we need to bring Morello back on consultation so he can kill healing because Morello he, was holding back the tide he, the whole he, time oh, he no, was insane. always he was always uh you know uh, very worried about there being over healing and stuff his, his motto secretly behind the scenes was f you soraka <laughs> <laughs> uh i concur <Yeah. laughs> all right so 
I think we're ready to move on officially into, hey, guess what? LCS is back this weekend. And we have an Anchor FM question on TL. Okay, I think it's funny that we didn't talk about the new champ. That is also going to be out on that patch, but we can do that next time because we're already deep in the weeds. We haven't played it yet. Yeah, exactly. Hey, guys. I want to talk TL here. Um, Been pretty frustrating watching them lose all these games when it feels like they've got the talent to be winning. Um, But it seems like they're either trying new things or just not down with what seems to be, you know, the meta, you know, scaling. I mean, they run some scaling, but, you know, the high CC, high engage, and they seem to run no CC, no engage comps all the time and then just do nothing and try and outplay. Uh, Do you think this is them kind of experimenting or trying new things before playoffs happen? Or do you think that they just really think that's the best way to play the game and um, I, I think if they don't change up their play style, they could miss worlds altogether. Uh, wanted to get your guys' take. Thanks. Yeah, I did think it uh, it might get hard for them if uh, there's going to be a lot of enchanter supports because Corjaj is so critical for this team for starting fights. You know, it's him and Santorin basically. Um, I guess now that they've added Whippo, he's had some really good Gragas games for Gragas engages. Uh, but besides the Gragas, yeah, it, it feels like they uh, they definitely still need a point man and um there have been there have even been some pretty big fluctuations i know core himself was uh um not too happy with some of the games that he played so improvements all around plus enchanters coming up in in big i feel like i'm someone who has pushed the like disappointed in tl angle and even i'm like you're going too far guy gonna miss worlds i don't think that they will end up fourth i think there's a very very competitive top four so I actually agree with them. I think there's a good chance that any of the top four um, could easily miss right now. I don't think it's super clear. You've got EG, 100 Thieves, Team Liquid, um, C9, and Cloud9, I think. Uh, and then like CLG may be close. I don't disagree that it's a competitive top four and any of those could miss, but I don't think Team Liquid looks substantially worse than 100 Thieves or C9. I think EG is the clear runaway best in the league right now, but C9 mm. just had a really bad game that they dropped. 100 Thieves last weekend had some bad games. TL has not had a good two weeks. I don't disagree with that, but I think all three of them are in that, like, you're good, but you have some things to work on territory. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think this is more negative on TL when everyone is kind of having similar-ish problems. I kind of agree. The reason I kind of agree, though, is because is it shocking that you're like, oh, yeah, you know, 50-50, they could miss Worlds. They could be that fourth team. Um, they're pretty much even with uh, all the other ones. When you're like, they spent the most money, they instantly sign all these stars, and they're trying to have this star-studded lineup. That's why I'm fine to be disappointed. Like, I am on that still. I'm disappointed in TL. You should be crapping on the league. <laughs> okay. I think that's what this roster should be doing, and they're not doing it, so it's fine to be disappointed. But uh-huh. I don't know if you should be like super hater on them and they're like this slow do nothing team because some of the games they lost they were still being proactive in like the uh tsm mm-hmm. loss like core jj on bard and santorin on volleybear still made a number of kills happen they just it was really just the 100 thieves tl one that was that was yeah that was this weekend and it was they did was like nothing the, the renata callista one where they just like waited till late game and, <laughs> yeah like, didn't do anything <laughs> yeah that one was a little bit weird for sure um i'm i'm i agree with you on a lot of it and like I said this even at the start of the year that to me, if they didn't win both spring and summer and have a deep international run, that they failed. Like with how much money you're putting in and, and the and the people. Yes, they already like, failed. I, I feel I feel like the only like way that this year is not a failure is that they go they go and have a good run at Worlds, right? Like if they make semis or something, then everyone's super happy, right? I think if you make quarters, then like 
then maybe you're kind of like borderline. I mean, TL has been one game away from quarters like every single year, always. It right? would be an improvement. They go three and three every single time. Um, but I just feel like with, you know, bringing in Hans and Bupo and Brooks and everything that, that they did, uh, this was fully with the intention of dominating North America and then also doing well internationally. So, you know, definitely have not been able to dominate in an A. doesn't mean that they can't, you know, get things together and start to. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be feeling like particularly concerned about their their regular season start though. They're what five and two. They're one game behind EG, um, and I do think the meta is also going to be changing. Like we know that Riot is going to be looking to to like make the early game more active, uh, and I think that feels like a buff to Core JJ and probably a buff to TL um, because if the early game becomes more active, if sustain is worse, all ends are easier. Guess what? Enchanters become worse as well. So I, I don't think that it's it's time to like you know think the sky is falling on TL by any means. Yeah, I think the perspective should also be one of excitement for all these these top four slash five yeah. teams yeah. at the top. Everybody has the the like negative attitude of like, oh, my team's not you know guaranteed top two or whatever. But it's actually so good that we have all these competitive teams at the top. I feel like top of the league is uh, super competitive right now, especially with CLG um, being. Uh, such a better version <laughs> of themselves this time around and even pushing towards towards top five. So uh, yep. I think it's quite cool that we can have these interchangeable 100 Thieves, EG, Cloud9, Team Liquid moves. And you'll see exactly how much you should be panicked based off the fact that TL is playing EG on Sunday, game three. Circle that one on your calendars uh, because that's the true test. If EG, I think everyone agrees, looks like the best team in the league by a lot I'm excited to see what they did in the break, too. I heard they took off. I heard took, nothing. <laughs> I heard they took a break. Oh, wait. I saw Danny tweet that he landed last night yep. also. He's yeah. like, back and in L.A. Inspired. Oh, yeah, I saw Inspired and Bulk memeing about I, it. Yeah, yeah, I heard that they hadn't played at all. Okay. They're chilling. And I think rightfully so. Yeah. Get, yeah. Some, more, get some more break time. They yep. had the, the MSI... Not uh, hangover. Yeah, exactly. Extra, extra grind, though. Well, Vulcan did say that, like... The fact that they did good at the start of the split and didn't have a hangover means that they can continue to pace themselves. Yeah, like, if they good were, job! Go on vacation! <laughs> yeah, if they were 0-7 heading into this week, yeah, they're not getting the time off. Yeah. And I mean, you, you want to just try to set up to spike for playoffs, right? Like, to, to be at your very best going into playoffs. So, no, I'm really excited to see how, how this match goes. I do think EG has, has looked like by far the best team. Um, to me, they're just like, Head and shoulders above everyone else as far as team fighting and skirmishing. That's the biggest difference by far. Uh, they, it's not like they're the perfect team. It's not like they don't make mistakes. You know, sometimes they jump in on some boneheaded fights. You know, <laughs> try to bail people out when maybe they shouldn't. But I do think you're going to get some of that when you want to have a team that's just like acting as one unit. And I do think to be the best that you possibly can be in team fighting, your team has got to have no hesitation on fights, right? You've got to all follow the call and all be working together. Uh, and more often than not, it works out perfectly for them. And they're so good at playing these fights to the wire where they have no health left, but they're staying around just for that opportunity where they're going to be able to come back in. I think it was one of the MF games that Danny was playing where like he barely survives with like 10% HP or 5% HP. And he just like stays around for so long until the enemy, I think it was like a Zier gets CC'd again. So he can step back in for one Q auto. And like that makes the difference, you know? Um, so being really able to play that line always is going to have some of the fights where they just go bad and you look silly, but I think EG has been incredible. Yeah, I think EG is the favorite. Uh, any other games that you guys want to look at? I, I, POV versus 100 Thieves, baby. All right, you go. I, I still, 
Like I know after the last weekend, I knew everyone was going to jump off and completely flip and start flaming them because they had the most difficult schedule. They have Cloud9 and Team Liquid. So I was ready for it. Okay. I was ready for the onslaught. I'm like, you can't phase me. I knew this was coming already. I still think this team should be very happy and they're, they're a much better uh, version of CLG and they still are within striking distance of these top four teams. Uh, yes, they're kind of on this like bump outside, but then they get another chance versus so one of these top four. Three, they have Immortals and 100 Thieves, so this will be the end of the first half of the season. Yeah, and so your game versus 100 Thieves, I think, is a big opportunity to reprove it because then you would have beaten two of the four. Yep. You lost to Cloud9 and Team Liquid, but you beat EG Evil Geniuses already, um, and 100 Thieves have looked really good. Someday on his birthday, um, I know it's kind of a... It was an Immortals game. It's kind of a soft game, but uh, happy <laughs> birthday! They did, yeah, exactly. They took care of business quickly. They were having some fun with it. Um, so I think uh, so if CLG beat Immortals and lose to Hundred Thieves. How do you feel about them? Five and four. I, I still feel pretty good, but I probably no but longer not challenging for I probably players. exactly. I probably no have a, have the 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 aspirations of like okay, they're actually going to be comparable with the top four uh, for those world spots, and then I'll be like my worlds. Competition is the top top four teams. I feel like for CLG the last weekend as well, they didn't outdraft their opponents. I felt like a lot of their wins had them outdrafting. This was not like terrible drafts, but like not clearly in their advantage. And they were kind of early game oriented and they made some mistakes, but they still had relatively good aggressive early game plays mm -hmm. that got turned around or came back later. So I actually still like them a lot too, but for the sake of not putting too much faith on CLG because that is going to doom them, I think they're crap and frauds and going to go 0-11 the rest of the split. <laughs> clip this out. Yeah, yeah clip that Only out. clip this. Do you Don't give any that. of the context. Do you think no they're context. going right back to 10th place? They're going to careen towards 10th. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, TSM feels like they might have a death trip It's a race. Night. It's a race to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> See you there. Yeah, no one can be worse than CLG. We've got some great competing stories in the LCS. We've got top four teams trying to go to Worlds, and then everybody racing to the bottom. Yeah. Who's going to be able to dig Immortals out? <laughs> Project <laughs> Save Immortals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. C C9 has a, has a pretty easy strength of schedule for this uh, like for their for end of their roster room too. They have TSM and Immortals. So um, presuming that they would get two wins. Their record obviously not not super impressive, but they went 0-3, right? With yeah, uh, with the they're three and bot one lane with and their stuff. starters. So they're three three and one with their starters. So even if they do win these next two games, they would be five and four. Um, but that would mean five and one with the with their intended starting lineup, which makes you feel like they're a lot better than their record shows. Uh, I will also say that two of their most difficult opponents were in the losses before they got their starters. Yeah. So, so it, it's, it's hard to know, yeah. right? Which makes the second round run really yeah. exciting because it's like, would they have lost them anyway with their starters? Hard, hard to say. Yeah, yeah I think uh, C9, I, I'm kind of glad they lost that that game and Zven had a bad game because... Oh, why are you laughing at that? Just the way you said it. It's, it just reminded me of the like perks, like hate a smug face or whatever. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I like it's it's less about them and more about community expectation because after that Yumi game for Sven, the oh, community yeah. was like, this team's the best team in the league. They're amazing. Yeah. And he had like, a good Lulu game too. Yeah. Well, the Lulu game was terrible. His Yumi game was great. <laughs> His Lulu one was terrible. Was it? Yeah. Were there two Lulu games? I swear he had a good one. Maybe he had a good one last Or one. maybe the I'm Lulu confusing game. Champions Q game. Maybe. I'll ask Google. The the last Lulu game that he played, which was their loss. The most recent one. Yeah, okay. was was bad. I think it was, it was either an earlier one or I'm just confusing a Champs Q game. It wasn't like he's like a terrible player. It was just like... He has he, two Lulu games and one Yumi game. Okay, yeah. and and the earlier Lulu game, I'm pretty sure was really was good. That was the one from two weeks ago. Well, I guess... 
Two, <laughs> this is annoying to talk about. Anyways, his most recent loss yeah. was the uh, the Lulu game, and it was bad. He died a lot. Um, yeah. and it, it was against Hunter Thieves. Yeah. Um, and I just liked the loss from a like expectation setting because a lot of people were like, this team still needs time, even with the, you know this bot lane coming in and like the top side still needs to work on things. And after they ripped off three in a row, I think the community was like, you're all idiots and wrong, and this is the best team ever. And like that loss is like they still have things to work on, and like don't get too far ahead of yourselves because there's probably some more losses coming. And so like. I actually think it's like a good expectation setting loss also because sometimes players read too much on social media and stuff and they like start gassing themselves up, which apparently Team Liquid did after their 3-0 to start the week, uh, the split, you know, like I just think it's it's good for the long-term development for this team to lose then. People often talk about this in sports, you know, like an early loss when you're still growing, like helps you keep your head down. I don't know. You're smiling at me like you think I'm talking crazy. I, I feel like this is a no, normal I agree. Take. It's absolutely normal, but I just always find it funny because I think people always say that even when it's like clearly a bad loss on the team's in shambles. They're like, <laughs> like, they're like fighting each other I'm on not, stage. The, the, the team liquid the, loss was not a good loss no, no, 100 Thieves. I know, but yeah. it's, it's just funny sometimes, right? Because yeah. that's just what it made me think of. That's why I was smiling is that sometimes it's like clearly a team is absolutely in a free fall. I'm like, yeah, we're going to learn a lot from this loss, you know? <laughs> what about those other losses you had? Um, how, do you guys, how do you guys feel about how Jensen has played? Uh, so far, um, that's that's one of the reasons why I had Cloud Nine with this roster as one of the ones that should have a steep curve because Jensen was coming back from steep curve up. Or yes, steep a steep curve up uh, because he he was coming back from uh, Vegas just like me, uh, <laughs> but his was a longer trip uh, with 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 more partying. Did he win more than a hundred dollars? I didn't win any, so I never said that I won any. Travis apparently said that he yeah. won big. And, uh, regardless, he's coming back uh, from you know a big break from league, and anytime yeah. you take a big break from league, like it feels so rusty coming back. And so I was thinking that was going to be a, a long time just personally for him to rebuild up. Uh, to his world's form, but then plus they had all the visas and all, anyways, getting everybody together and practice and stuff. So, um, yeah, I have been disappointed in some of the games. Some of the games have been really good from him, um, but obviously, yeah, there's been some real big bloopers that, that have been obvious. So, uh, to me, that's kind of expected for this Cloud9, and it's part of their journey, I think, to the top. I'm, I'm relatively happy with him on that curve that you're talking about because yeah. his laning looks mostly there i mean i know people are going to point out to a couple like of the individual first yone game yeah like people are going to point to that and be like look but no, then he not. had a good one then he had a good one <laughs> and overall i was like doing a deeper dive into stats and like he's kind of the same laning player that he was back in the day where it's like low jungle proximity but mm -hmm. up in farm up in four percent kind of pushing the other person and getting a lot of like the other team's jungle difference like that the other team comes to him and he just kind of survives yeah. the ganks and, and he gets camped a little bit while he's pressuring and building a cs lead what's missing i think right now from his game is like the late game 1v9 carry, carry potential because yeah. like at his peak he was like i'm oriana and i'm gonna win the game for us at some point yeah, and I don't think he's doing that right now. Not like C9 needs him to, but um, I think that's. I kind of need him to. They will need him to. <laughs> they they will later yeah. on the season. Um, so that's that's what I'm still waiting to see is some more of like the individual outplays. But more or less, I think he's on a good trajectory. Yeah, yeah. Seems like it's been going pretty well. Well, I guess that'll uh, do it for this episode. No, it won't do it for this it episode. Our producer said if we can get any more, and I got more to talk about. Okay, FlyQuest, sure. baby. We talked about CLG as like the team that's like in your who's your top top yeah. five. Their Black first West. game, their first game is a good game. This their first game this week is Versus against Hundo Thundo. Yeah, Hundred Thieves also. 
So 100 Thieves actually have some good uh, expectation settings for the other like middle teams. Those two are the teams that are tied right now. Yeah. Or for fourth. So 100 Thieves are going to are gonna be the judgment for both FlyQuest and for CLG. You shall not pass. Are you, are you super hyped for FlyQuest in that matchup? or are... Even if they lose, I'm just like, I'm a FlyQuest believer. I put them fifth in my parents at the start of the split, and they have largely come mm -hmm. through. And they, it was them who crapped on C9 in that that most recent loss, where like C9 just like never had a foothold in that game. And I feel like FlyQuest, Afro's been playing really well. Johnson's Twitch has been cool. Takoy and Jose have largely picked up. Philip came in, was a bit of a liability in lane, but has been good outside of lane. And like, I like this team. I think that they are the the fifth place team in the league. And while they might drop the game to hundred thieves, I think nice. We get me and uh, Mark can be FlyQuest. I'll be CLG. Who's your fifth place team? We can all fight each other. You can pick one of ours too. Make make us right if you agree with one of us. Yeah, or make it double wrong. Yeah, and pick TSM still. <laughs> yeah, it gets it gets hard, man, because because TSM I think is for sure out of there. Yeah. I have to pick a fifth team. You get to pick a fifth team. Yeah. Congratulations. I, You're I think welcome. I'm more on CLG side. Let's the, go! I think I'm more on the CLG side. I mean, I also believe in CLG for what it's worth. I think they're like, <laughs> I think they're okay. fifth, sixth in the league. Yeah. Um, but I, I actually really like FlyQuest right now. Yeah, FlyQuest has been good. Um, they, like they've impressed me. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with how Philip has played, but like his lane has been bad, right? <laughs> like he's, he's uh, when I like I was just looking at the, the lane stats. I think he's negative seven point one CSD at ten. Second worst is negative four, right? So like he's significantly behind second worst as far as as far as that. To be fair, there were some games where like he got camped pretty hard, and like that that's part of it. Um, but I didn't expect his lane to be good, and it hasn't been great. Um, but I will say that like outside of lane, he's been pretty solid. I remember there was like a Jace game um, where he I think it was maybe against, it was the C nine game. He, he solo killed Jensen. Yeah, like and he, he got I think he got dove early in that game, got put down, and then just like didn't die for the rest of the game. At least the one I'm thinking of. I can't remember if it was a C9 one or not. Um, but he's had some good aggressive moves. He's played side lanes like fine without getting picked on. So like, there's a lot of things about his game that I think are really positive for for like you know another another young guy coming up um, out of academy. So I'm I'm pretty excited to see how he can develop. Like if he could improve his laning phase, he could actually have a pretty bright future. I think in the LCS. Yeah, I'm hot on this team. I think it's fine. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us. My laptop is out of battery, so take I it away you. with one of you. you what, you don't know? The, <laughs> oh, you do the outro. I do the outro. Good. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> this, this episode obviously was a little bit different because we were on the one-week break. We'll be back to talking more about the teams after this coming weekend, as we normally do. Um, but continue to send those questions in. You can hashtag the dive LOL on Twitter. You can send us to an anchor.fm. Thanks for everyone who sent those questions in this week. Remember, if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode of The Dive. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple podcast we're on anchor.fm we're at your we're everywhere house. we're we're in Vegas. we're winning big we're, we're up 100 bucks uh, <laughs> LCS pew, pew, returns pew. Saturday with 100 Thieves versus FlyQuest 1 30 p.m. PST I'll be there you better be too